This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode takes the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. morning. I'm Jane Pauley, and this is Sunday Morning. It's known as intersex, a person whose gender doesn't conform to traditional notions of male or female. And while you might believe it's rare, being intersex is more common than you might think. Erin Moriarty speaks with some intersex people asking not for treatment, but for acceptance. I'm one year here and a month old, so I'm Pigeon Pagonis doesn't fit into any neat little box. When you encounter a form that asks for gender, male or female, what do you put down? Many times I've just made my own box and put intersex and then put a check mark there. What it means to be intersex later on Sunday morning. Once again this morning, we'll have the latest on the fighting in the Middle East. Lee Cowan looks back at another week of terrible gun violence, this time in Maine. 
Martha Teichner introduces us to an unsung hero of the civil rights movement, Bayard Rustin. And more on this last Sunday of the month, October 29th, 2023. We'll be back after this. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This year marks the 60th anniversary of the historic March on Washington. And while we recall the images and the impact, we may not remember some of those who helped turn the dream into reality. Which brings us to Bayard Rustin and Martha Teichner. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up Live out the true meaning of its creed. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. delivering his I Have a Dream speech. The sea of peaceful people, 250,000, black and white together. Say March on Washington, this is the snapshot history has saved from that August day in 1963. Now look there, the man just behind Dr. King. He's Bayard Rustin. Who, you say? Bayard Rustin, the strategist who organized the march, a singular transformative moment for the civil rights movement. The first demand is that we have effective civil rights legislation, no compromise, no filibuster. At the end of the march, he read a list of demands. But who remembers? Today, it's as if his name has been erased. What do you say? Everybody needs to know who this man is. He should be taught in every school. George C. Wolfe is trying to make that happen. How do you think we should regard Bayard Rustin? As an American hero who not only contributed heavily to one of the most significant you know, peaceful demonstrations that this has ever happened in this country, but a man who also wrote the book on how to stage such an event. Lord, I hope and pray they come today. Wolf is the director of Rustin. A producer of the film is Higher Ground, former president and first lady Barack and Michelle Obama's production company. Our new offices. The third floor is uninhabitable, so we'll be all on top of each other down here. In theaters this week, on Netflix, November 17th, 
The film stars Coleman Domingo as Bayard Rustin. We are going to put together the largest peaceful protest in the history of this nation. It tells the story behind the march. Officially, the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. This was the real office where Rustin and a small staff pulled the march together in less than two months. The Harlem Brownstone called the Utopia Neighborhood Clubhouse. Bayard was the the real general here, and he acted like a general, telling us all what to do, what to do it, and how to do it. You needed an organizer, but you needed somebody with charisma to make you want to follow him. That was his gift. Eleanor Holmes Norton, Washington, D.C.'s delegate in Congress, then a student at Yale Law School, was tasked with finding buses to bring people to the march. What did it feel like that day? It was the most gratifying day I can ever remember. Without him, there wouldn't have been the march. Without the march, there wouldn't have been the movement. Without the movement, you wouldn't have had the 64 Civil Rights Act, the 65 Voting Rights Act. That's pretty big. That's as big as it gets, I think. The week after the march, there he was on the cover of Life magazine. So how could a man that important be marginalized? Bard was one of these people that had a lot of baggage. He was a member of the Uncommunist League when he was young. He was a pacifist during World War II, went to jail, and he was a gay man. Walter Nagel was his partner for 10 years before Rustin's death in 1987 at 75. Being gay was kind of like the nail in the coffin. So I think it had a tremendous impact on his ability to rise within the movements where he worked. On the day that I was born black, I was also born a homosexual. Here's the man who convinced Martin Luther King to embrace nonviolence as a tactic. Yes, Bayard Rustin, fired by his close friend. We thank you for your many years of service. The great civil rights leader of the United States panics. This is a homophobic society, we have to remember, that King is living in. And he fears blowback on the movement, on the civil rights movement. He fears blowback on himself. Michael Long has written extensively about Rustin. Where did Bayard Rustin's pacifism and interest in nonviolence come from? from his grandmother primarily, Julia Rustin. She reared him in Westchester, Pennsylvania. His grandmother was a Quaker. When somebody asked him why he did what he did, he would often say, because I'm a Quaker and because I believe in equality, human dignity, the unity of the human family, and peace. Nobody knows the trouble I see. That's Bayard Rustin singing on an album of spirituals and, believe it or not, Elizabethan songs. He collected art, antiques, walking sticks. The same Bayard Rustin whose involvement in nonviolent protest got him beaten. He was arrested over 20 times, jailed. After the March on Washington, Rustin makes the case that activists should move from street protests to the corridors of power 
and practice politics. But the movement didn't necessarily see eye to eye with Rustin on that strategy for going forward. No. He was opposed to the Black Power movement and even Black Studies programs, arguing they further isolated Black people. And it all cost him. But now, history has begun to take another look at Bayard Rustin. This was symbolic of kind of bringing Bayard in from the shadows where he had been for so many years and acknowledging his contribution. In 2013, 50 years after the March on Washington, Bayard Rustin was posthumously awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Barack Obama. Today we honor Bayard Rustin's memory by taking our place in his march towards true equality. What I thought was important, and Michelle and I, you know, it's the reason that we were interested in this story, was this reminds us that the fight for justice uh, is typically not just about one group of people or another group of people. Uh, it, it's often in tandem, we have to figure out how do we lift up all people. And the former president sat down with us last uh, week to discuss Rustin the and the film he co-produced about him. You were an organizer before you were a politician. Yeah. To see somebody who could bring the kind of strategic sense that helped to organize some of the seminal moments in the early civil rights movement. To learn about someone like that did inspire me. Now, I have to make a, a, a very clear uh, caveat here. Uh, I never was able to organize as good as he, <laughs> but it did get me thinking about my own role as somebody who could maybe work at a grassroots level and, and, and change the country from the bottom up. Do you think after the film comes out, Worldwide, yeah. people will no longer say Bayard who? <laughs> My hope is that um, he, gets, he gets the credit that uh, is due to him. And what I hope Rustin achieves is to remind this new young generation of activists uh, how much they can accomplish. Bayard Rustin has been credited with coining the phrase, speaking truth to power. He did that all his life. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Too many times we've had to bring you the story that follows. 
Too many times, too many dead. Here's Lee Cowan. Maine. It is indeed postcard perfect. Its welcome sign touts the way life should be. But it's not just lobster boats and craggy coastlines. The town of Lewiston, Maine, used to be known as the site of one of the most famed boxing matches of all time, Muhammad Ali versus Sonny Liston. What happened in that ring was about as violent as things get around here. You know how many people were murdered in Lewiston in all of last year? Three. But in one night, a gunman gave the Lewiston area the sad distinction of being the site of the country's deadliest mass shooting so far this year. 18 victims, 13 more injured. Husbands, wives, children. Just everybody pray. Pray for those that are hurt. Pray for the families that have a loss. As grim as it was, it was made worse by the fact that the killer was nowhere to be found. Residents were afraid to leave their homes until the perpetrator was finally found dead himself on Friday night. It took two days, but we found him, and everybody could sleep good last night. But at what point does a mass shooting not become news anymore? The pictures and the pain, they're no different than anywhere else it's happened. The makeshift memorials, the signs of strength, they're now as predictable as our tears. Author and Maine native Stephen King put the recurring horror this way in a post. The cycle is now complete. Until next time, rinse and repeat. Mike Brown, coach of the Sacramento Kings, summed up the hopelessness felt all across the country in every corner of our lives. I don't even want to talk basketball. I'm sorry. It's, I just, like We played a game. It was fun. Well, obviously, we won. But I mean, there's, if, if we can't do anything to fix this, it's over. It's over. Maine's marks the 565th mass shooting just this year a never-ending backdrop of violence that's wearing us all down. Do you tend to see more patients after events like this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it activates vulnerabilities. Emmanuel Maidenberg is a clinical professor of psychiatry at UCLA. When people talk about, though, that sense of feeling, feeling numb to it all, what does that tell you? That's one of the protective reactions that we have. It can be helpful in the short run. But at times it persists, and then it becomes not helpful. The problem is, is even though mass shootings take up only a tiny fraction of the annual firearm deaths in this country, they still take up a pretty big chunk of our public consciousness. We look over our shoulders, perhaps more than we even realize it. Some of us even avoid the kind of places where shootings have happened, but that's impossible, of course, because they happen everywhere, from schools to grocery stores to a bowling alley. What are your questions? We've been churning this nightmare stuff around in our heads for decades now. I am actually the, the same age as the suspect in this case, and we were in high school when Columbine happened. Jennifer Rooks is a co-host of Maine Calling. I mean, I think we're all grieving. Whether we knew somebody or not, our hearts are just broken. It's a live call-in radio show in Portland, Maine. Caller called in. And he used the word refuge. He said, we're supposed to be a refuge. People are supposed to come here from other places to seek refuge. Rooks began her broadcast the morning after the shooting, just 
trying to hold it together. I surprised myself. Now, Maine has lost its innocence. As we just heard from Governor Mills and law enforcement. You know, it's one thing to read the information or to watch the news, but to say out loud to an audience that 18 people are confirmed dead, it's entirely different when you open your mouth and try to say it as though it's, it's just a fact. But that's what mass shootings have become, a fact of life in this country that leaves us all, if not on edge, at least uncomfortably aware. What's your advice to people who do feel a sense of unease after events like this? I think examining it, trying to understand what makes you feel uneasy, put it into words. Speak it out loud. Speak it out loud. Or write it down. I've asked some of the same questions you probably have. Seems small, but whatever helps us cope can be valuable. I will tell you this. The better angels of ourselves do blossom, though, in the wake of such tragedies. Kindness, love, support, and friendship, those are also constant. And if nothing else in this growing chain of sorrow, for that at least, we can be grateful. People care. People care. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. In recent years, we've come to understand that rigid definitions of gender don't always apply. That may be truest of all for the intersex, those born into bodies that aren't clearly male or female. Erin Moriarty has their story. This is probably one of the only pictures I have of my body before it was, I mean, when it was still intact. When Pigeon Pagonis was born in a Chicago hospital 37 years ago, the doctors saw something that alarmed them. I was born looking female on the outside, and then it was discovered that on the inside of my body, I had not completely the parts that would be considered female. Pigeon, whose birth name is Jennifer, looked like a little girl. But instead of ovaries, there were internal testes. And instead of XX chromosomes, Pigeon had the male XY combination. Pigeon Begonis was born intersex. You're not alone. There are thousands, maybe millions, millions. of people just like you. Yes. 
according to statistics cited by the United Nations, 0.05 to 1.7% of the worldwide population is intersex. That's roughly the amount of people in the state of Minnesota, like combined, or the country of Japan. It's common enough that the word appears in the Oxford English Dictionary, defined as a person having external or internal sexual organs that are not clearly male or female. Did anyone use the word intersex with your no, parents? No, they never did, with them or with me. Instead, doctors followed what had long been the medical practice in this country to make Pigeon look more physically female, and that meant surgeries. At 13 months old, the testes were removed, although that's not, Pigeon says, quite how doctors described it to her parents. They said, oh, your daughter, she has these things called gonads, which are kind of like undeveloped um, ovaries. And so these undeveloped ovaries will turn cancerous if we leave them in. And so let's just take them out now so that cancer can never happen later in life. There were more surgeries at age four and again at age 12 when the preteen was asked to consent to a procedure known as a vaginoplasty. The surgery, which Pigeon says was cosmetic, left scar tissue and pain. My parents were believing what these doctors said, which was, we're going to give your kid the best life possible. Everything's going to be great. And it wasn't the truth. There have always been people with intersex traits. But until recently, the term used to describe them was hermaphrodite from Greek mythology. It's actually a creature, a winged creature, not a person. Elizabeth Reese is a professor at the City University of New York and has written a book about the history of intersex in America. She says those with ambiguous sex characteristics were seen as freakish and often feared. In early America, they really thought of hermaphrodites as monstrous and that it must have been something, you know, Satan probably had a hand in it. As medical science advanced, she says, and anesthesia became available, doctors began to use surgery to fix what they saw as a disorder. They thought that if, if people were unsure of their own sex, then they might have romantic inclinations towards the wrong sex. And they really wanted to avoid homosexuality. Doctors believe surgery was best done early, before a patient knew he or she was intersex. In the sexual differentiation of the human embryo... Based on research conducted in the 1950s by psychologist John Money at Johns Hopkins University, John Money said, the best time to deal with this is at infancy. The gender has not emerged yet, so babies are malleable. You could change their genitals. You could later on give them hormones. You could basically raise them in the gender that you thought was the most appropriate, and everything would be fine. But it didn't always turn out fine, says Professor Rees. I know people who found out much later what happened in their family. A secrecy it can be devastating in that way, to find out something about yourself that the doctors told your parents, you know, don't tell. That secrecy is a central theme in Pigeon's memoir, Nobody Needs to Know. At age 18, while in college, Pigeon finally saw her medical records. Saw the words male first. That's what stuck out to me. Male pseudo-hermaphrodite. 
46 XY. I remember looking in the mirror like, like I did this, like I pulled my hair back and I was like, like studying my face and I was just like, am I a boy? Was I born a boy and then they like somehow made me a girl for some reason and I just was so confused. I don't know how to explain that feeling. Um, it's like, say you had a compass and you were in the forest. Now that compass broke and it's dark and you don't know what's going on anymore and you are completely lost. It was also tough for Pigeon's parents who had consented to surgeries over the years that doctors told them were needed for their child to have a normal life. It's really hard for them. They have to live with thinking they did the right thing, but living with the fact that I've grown up to feel that that wasn't the right thing, but it, I don't blame them. Intersex conditions have been for a long time medicalized and made into a disorder by the medical community. Urologist Dr. Eileen Wong, as a surgical resident in 2008, once performed the same type of surgery Pagonis had as an infant. She now believes the medical community has failed intersex patients. The thing that's so horrific about the surgeries that were performed on intersex children for cosmetic purposes is just that their outcomes were incredibly poor. Complication rates probably greater than 50%, resulting in scarring, resulting in chronic pain. Pigeon now wonders what life would have been like without the surgeries. Because the testes that provide hormones were removed, Pigeon was diagnosed with osteoporosis in her mid-20s. All that what they do when they quote-unquote fix you and quote-unquote make you normal is set you up for an abnormal experience of this life. Don't you think they, these doctors also thought your life might be easier if you fit that image of being a female? Yes, sure, they probably do. But I would love to have a doctor sit here with me today and I would say, if I cut off your penis to make you into what I think is a normal girl, because I think your life would be easier, how would you feel about that, sir? We have an extreme position. Pigeon has become an activist in the intersex community, determined to end unnecessary surgeries on intersex infants. No justice, no peace, no intersex surgeries. In 2020, the hospital that performed Pigeon surgeries, Lori Children's in Chicago, issued a statement that said in part, this approach was harmful and wrong, and we apologize and are truly sorry. So these bills that are being called anti-trans should also, please tell your friends, should also be called anti-intersex. Pigeon Begonis is hoping that the word once rarely said aloud will now become part of the conversation. There's a lot of intersex people who identify as a woman or as a man, um, but me? I'm happy identifying as intersex, and same for my gender. My gender is non-binary. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. 
on Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Now we turn to the Middle East. As the fighting goes on and on, hanging in the balance are the lives of the 200-plus hostages being held by Hamas in Gaza. From our Seth Doan, a closer look. I will not rest and I will not sit and I will not cry until she comes back. You'll not cry? I don't want to be weak right now. I want to get her back. Anat Shoshani's grandmother, 72-year-old Adina Moshe, was one of the more than 220 people taken hostage during the Hamas massacre on October 7th. Shoshani learned when a friend sent her this video. Probably there were also the people who murdered my grandfather just a few minutes before. You can see like all these people cheering and watching like it's some kind of like show like here we got an old lady hostage hostage like a Jewish lady so everyone is cheering it's hard for me to watch but I need to watch it like this is the reality I just have to fight her no matter what Adina and Said David Moshe lived in the now destroyed kibbutz near Oz about two miles from Gaza they were together for 53 years they were in love like they just met. On their last day together, they'd barricaded themselves in their bomb shelter. My hero grandfather held the door handle for three hours and the terrorists couldn't open the door. They shot countless gunshots on the door. Her grandfather was shot multiple times and died in the shelter, while her grandmother was kidnapped through the exploded shelter window. Just down the street, Shoshani's uncle, his wife, and five little kids were in their shelter, with invaders in the house. They robbed everything on their way, and they had many times. They sat down. There was like a birthday cake for one of the children. They like opened it up ate part of the cake. It's like, it's ridiculous. They survived and were able to communicate with the rest of the family. So for a while, Shoshani was optimistic until that clip surfaced the afternoon of the attack. They heard nothing from the government for three days. Someone from the army got in contact with us and officially informed us that she is kidnapped. But since then, Nothing. Just complete silence. Nothing from the government at all? Nothing. Is there support for families? There is support for families that comes from a volunteer uh, community. Part of this is printing photographs, posters. Yeah, yeah. I realized that this is going to be my mission, so I started to, to pick up the phone and say, who can help me? 
That urgent help came in the form of 4,000 volunteers after David Zalmanovich dreamed up the Hostages and Missing Families Forum. In a country where more than 300,000 soldiers have been called to duty, here citizens are mobilizing, running this headquarters of sorts for the family members of hostages. Why are you, why is civil society doing this and not the government? First, the government does it, but she does it very slow. He's using his office space, a once quiet we work for lawyers, and his contacts. I said, for God's sake, what can we do that was not done until now? And it came to me. Physician Hagai Levine had been working on obesity and smoking issues, but now is focusing on which medications hostages need. The clock is ticking. Every moment that they don't get their essential drugs and there is no reestablishment of the connection with the families through the Red Cross, their life are in danger. Daniel Sheck plays a role in diplomatic efforts. Many hostages have dual citizenship. I used to be ambassador in Paris, but uh, this guy just met the ambassador of Portugal. And that was a meeting you put together? Yes. One of the family members pictured on Raz Matalon's shirt is an Israeli hostage with Portuguese citizenship. Three are dead. Another, Ellie, is missing. I pray to God to find Ellie alive. We cannot stop. We cannot sleep. We cannot eat. I'm doing everything uh, I can. Psychological services are part of this too. That's where Anat Shoshani, her mother, sister, and a grieving friend were, until being interrupted by yet another incoming rocket alert, sending everyone to a shelter. The common feeling here. Like being together with other being families. Being together and like to embrace each other and we understand each other more than anyone else can understand us. This group formed from one that had been protesting the right-wing government's judicial reforms, an issue dividing Israelis until this common fight for the hostages. After 23 days, four have been freed. I don't feel personally yeah, that this is the first priority of the government. That the hostages are? Yeah, I feel the first priority is to just return fight uh, to the to the Hamas and show them how strong we are. Israel has ramped up its retaliation, pummeling the fenced-in Gaza Strip with airstrikes, killing more than 7,000 people, according to Hamas, as a humanitarian crisis worsens. Do you want some revenge? Actually, no. What do I get from, is, is that what brings my grandfather back to life? No, I don't think it can give me anything. I don't want to spend my life with hate in my heart. For now, she's overwhelmed by other emotions, which poured out during a silent protest in Tel Aviv Thursday. It's a plea to not forget those held captive, with many worrying about what a ground incursion might mean. This is so hard um, to see everyone here and to realize that this is real and all those people are not here and we are. Sometimes it's like hits you. Earlier when you were talking, you were telling me you try not to cry. Yeah. But somehow every time I get here and see all these people, uh, that they can feel my pain. In a region torn apart by decades of divisions, pain is one thing both sides share.
Thank you for listening. Please join us when our trumpet sounds again next Sunday morning. If you like CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Polly, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.